motivator for you to do that. So someone who's naturally curious will naturally say, can you actually, can you tell me more about that? Or why is this? Um, and someone who's not naturally curious, that even if you tell them to ask those questions, it'll come across more like an interrogation when they deliver it to the, for the prospect. Mm -hmm. uh, it won't come across natural. Hey everyone, it's Tom here from Soko Sales Training. Welcome to another episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. I'm really excited because today's guest who's joining me in conversation is uh, an old friend and customer of ours. This is Matt Ward. He's the founder and CEO of Workmate. If you wanna take your sales skills to the next level and learn how to master the entire sales process, Join Soko Academy and get certified in Soko Selling. The link is in the notes. Hey, Matt, good to have you here on the podcast. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Hey, my pleasure. I'm really excited to have you on here today because you're in a unique situation. Well, I wouldn't say unique, but you're in a, in a great situation of uh, managing, leading a remote sales team. You've got reps, you know, across uh, the region. So we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but I'm really excited to talk about your thoughts around what it's like to manage and lead a remote sales team. But I'm also curious about, in general, recruiting reps and what we look for mm -hmm. in sales reps. So, you know, Matt, I'm really curious, what are some of the top traits that you look for in, in a great sales rep? Yeah, great question. Um, look, I think uh, like, like most uh, leaders or sales leaders at the moment, it, it's uh, the last 12 months has, has required uh, a bit of a, a rethink and a, a, about how we do things. Um, you know, the way that we used to hire, the things that we used to look for, um, you know, have had to, we've had to adapt, right, in terms of how we hire and how, how we manage uh, remote teams because we're not able to, to go and visit people. So uh, as you mentioned, you know, I have a team, I'm based in Singapore, I have sales teams in both Indonesia and Thailand. Um, and historically, what I've, I've often done is, is tried to, when I hire you know, obviously meet the people and beyond the standard kind of interviewing process, I actually try to get out of the office and meet them and grab a beer with them or grab lunch with them and try to get to know them on more of a personal level. Um, and that's obviously been a lot more challenging because every interaction is done over a Zoom call like this and it becomes a lot more uh, formal. Uh, it's harder to kind of have a more casual interaction and get to know the person. Um, and I think that kind of leads to... Um, you know, what I've always really looked for, and I think, you know, for, for our situation as a startup, um, you know, building the early culture is key. So I think when I'm hiring for sales reps, like any other role in the company, that cultural fit is important. Um, so that's where the personality and, and the actual, uh, you know, making sure you're hiring people who are good people is is super important. So there's a number of things, but to get, I guess, the 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 straight answer to your question, there's a couple of things I look for. Um, as an enterprise SaaS platform like Workmate is, um, it's very much a solution selling or consultative selling approach. Um, and for that, you know, obviously, as we all know, you need people who know how to understand the customer, ask great questions, uncover pain points, you know, identify pain points the customer didn't know they had in the first place. And there's two traits I look for to, to, to find that. The first is empathy. Um, I look for somebody who has high levels of empathy because they're going to be able to, you know, someone with high levels of empathy is probably going to be more uh, likely to try to understand the customer and really get close to the customer and build that uh, relationship with the customer that they feel that this, this person really is here to look out for me. Uh, and the second thing is curiosity. Someone mm -hmm. who is naturally curious 
because someone who's naturally curious is going to ask, you know, the, the, the what and the how and the why questions in, in those discovery situations rather than just trying to push a product and shove a product down someone's throat. So in summary, um, you know, the couple of traits we look for is, uh, you know, empathy, curiosity, uh, but last but not least, also something just a good person, someone who's, you know, who's a good, honest person with high integrity. Wow, Matt, there's a lot of really great stuff there. And, I, you know, let's just unpack some of that. So I really like this. The thing that you led with was around culture fit. And yeah. this is a term that, that we hear often, but sometimes, you know, our, our, our listeners and viewers may not always be clear about, well, what does a, a culture fit look like? So what are some of the things that, let's say at Workmate, what are some of the things at Workmate that would have you realizing, hey, this candidate looks like a good fit for Workmate culturally? It's a hard one and there's no, I don't think anyone has a perfect answer to it. Um, uh, I was actually listening to a great podcast episode yesterday, Masters of Scale. I don't know if you, if you listen to that, it's Reed Hoffman's one, but he did one yesterday talking about, you know, early hiring uh, for the right culture fit in, in the early days of the startup. And I think, you know, depending on the stage of business you're at, like where we are, we're in this stage where we're still, uh, you know, still, still kind of like uh, in, in that early stage of, of developing the product. Um, and so culture fit is, is super important. We, we, we want to find people that it links into that curiosity. We want to find people that are not going to be, uh, uh, I guess, are not going to be, you know, are not going to require to have the perfect product with everything working perfectly to go out and present to their customer and, and have everything work perfectly. You need somebody who's a bit more, has a bit more tenacity, um, a little bit more problem solving skills somebody that's going to be able to go to the market and come back and go, hey, guys, I'm hearing this from my customers. Is there any way we can do this or can we adapt that? Mm. Uh, somebody who doesn't oversell. Um, and so I think in the sales role, like there's a culture fit. Um, you know, it is, it is somebody who's, who's got that kind of scrappiness. Um, mm. one, one of our, one of our uh, sort of cult, uh, company values is, uh, you know, fight like an underdog. So we look for people that really have that kind of, that fight to try to work away how to solve that problem or get around that challenge. And that's something that's really important to us. Not, not somebody who's kind of always had it given to them on a plate, um, you know, with a great product and a great brand, they can just rely on, you know, we need someone who's kind of been a challenger in the market. Somebody who's had to kind of really be in that third or fourth position and scrap to win. Um, and so I think that kind of personality or that kind of attitude is something that's really important for us to get that kind of cultural fit because as a group, as a team of people, um, you know, in the company, that's kind of what we are, a bunch of guys and girls out there trying to find a way to solve a problem in the market. And you need people that are, that are problem solvers. Matt, I, I love that. So he, I think these are some really concrete examples of, you know, what culture fit, you know, can really look like, you know, so for example, I love what you talked about, about the scrappiness that someone needs if they're going to work at Workmate, for example. You know, this is something that I've looked at is, you know, when we've been hiring people, is, you know, where did they come from? Did they, is there previous experience at some, uh, you know, startup where they pretty much had to figure out or create a lot of things on their own and they needed to have this ingenuity and this, this resilience, this resourcefulness um, and this creativity? Or did they come from an organization that was well-established, big brand that already has all these processes and SOPs in place where yeah. they, can just, they can just go to HR and say, oh, well, where's this? Or how do we do that? And, and there's, you know, procedures are already laid out. Yeah. So depending on the, the culture of your organization, of course, you know, we want to get people who are in, in alignment with that, right? 
Yeah. And I think in the, in the sales world, it's like, you know, I've, t- I've had less success hiring salespeople who have come from, let's just say an SAP or an Oracle or a Salesforce. Mm. You might say, oh, they know how to sell big enterprise deals, but not always. But in some cases, you can find that, that just having coming from that kind of company is not always enough because often you can find a lot of sales reps there who really are just order takers and you know because of the brand and the strength of the tech and the product itself would be able to should be able to sell it um and so for us as a as a, as a startup trying to disrupt something um we need somebody who hasn't necessarily had to you know, hasn't been able to do that if, if you hire somebody from those those big brands often they struggle when they come into an environment where the product might be a bit buggy or it doesn't always work the way it's, you say it's going to or um, you know, it doesn't quite have all the features that you wish it did. Um, so that's kind of where we look for someone who's a bit, you know, come from a little bit more of an underdog type position. I love that. So people who are willing to fight that they're scrappy, right? It's sort yeah. of like that, yeah. that old uh, slogan from, from Avis way back in the day, you know, we're number two and we try harder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, are you the market leader or are you maybe a challenger? You're someone who's like, you know, two, three, four, five, and you have to fight for every single scrap. So if, if yeah. that's you, then that's the type of person you're looking for. Not someone that has experience from this big, well-established brand where people are knocking on their door to yeah. buy their product. Yeah. Totally yeah. I, yeah, I agree. And I, and I think when it comes to culture as well, um, just one thing I'll add is that it, culture is very individual. Right. It's, it's, you know, what what might be a 10 out of 10 for us on culture, maybe a zero out of 10 for somebody else. So I think when you're trying to hire someone who's going to, you know, be a cultural uh, ambassador or a culture sort of driver in the company, um, you need to find somebody that that, that, that has really similar uh, kind of diverse, not not just in terms of everyone who looks the same as you or talks the same as you. uh, But, you know, you need somebody that has very similar kind of like values, I think, is the most important thing. 100%. And that's why we talk about a fit, right? A cultural fit, you know, um, does this person's values align with with ours as an organization? And you can have all the skills in the world, but if if that person's value system, their morals, integrity, worth ethic, if if that's inconsistent with the rest of the team, um, you're really going to struggle. So for example, here at SoCo, some of our core values are things like um, family, yeah. Family, yeah. family is one of our core values. You know, yeah. my, my, my co-founder and, and, and boss in work and life is my wife. Yeah. So, so family is very important. So we like to have people on our team that are family oriented, that, that have a family, that care about family. Um, so they know people working with us, we're going to be more open and receptive to all the things that go into working from home and, and having yeah. a family close by, you know, it's so we see them almost like an extension of our family. Things like freedom is like one of our values. So we value freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of choice, freedom of, you know, work from anywhere, as long as you get the job done. In Mm. fact, one of our uh, mantras here is we want people here. um, We want you a hundred percent in the time that you're here so that you're not here a hundred percent of the time. Right. Yeah, that, that's something that's important to, to yeah. us, as opposed to some companies that seem to have this culture of, you know, come in early, stay late and kind of pretend that you're working. But we want people to kind of yeah. be there for the sake of being there. Well, we're, we're the complete opposite. So you want to kind of get people that kind of have a fit. One of our values as well is is to be the best and to do our best. So when I'm interviewing candidates, I, I want them to tell me about a time 
where they had to fight hard to win and to beat out the competition. Yeah. Or if you're hiring a sales rep, you know, tell me about a time when you were trying to be the top performer or the top producer on your team. So yeah. that type of competitiveness and drive is something that we really look for here. So you want to find those types of people. And I love what you talked about, about, you know, order takers. So for me, it's just this constant struggle to find, you know, hunters versus farmers, depending on mm. the role that you're looking for. And there's a lot of people that I meet, you know, we're looking for two people now. And there's a lot of people that I meet that look great on paper. But when you dig deeper, you find out, well, maybe they're hitting those numbers because of the brand. Maybe they're hitting right. those numbers because it's a, a team environment and they really didn't do a whole lot. Or maybe they're hitting those numbers from repeat business from existing customers and they're yeah. great farmers, but they never had to hunt a day in their life. You know, yeah. if, if, their, if their life depended on it, they couldn't hunt for new business. So yeah. these are some examples of culture fit, aren't they? I, I think... Um... You know, the, like if, you, if anyone who's listening here or, or anyone who's in this situation, I don't think, you know, um, our hiring for culture fit is anything that's necessarily uh, like, you know, we all know we have to do that. I think the hard part is how do you, how do you work that out in an interview? Mm. So, so we can all say, okay, well, we want someone who's an underdog, but what questions can we ask and what do we need to do to really uncover that? Because I think every single person who's hired people um, has made mistakes where you hire them, you go, oh, they've interviewed really well. Any half decent salesperson should be able to sell themselves in an interview. So how do you get deeper? Um, and so I think the key is to whatever your, your business values or culture is, clearly define, first of all, what that is. Like, what is that culture? What do we want in the people that join? What are the character traits that we want in people that are coming on board? Yes. Define that first. Secondly, what questions can we ask in the interview process to really extract that out, right? That somebody can't just talk their way out of, particularly when you're interviewing salespeople. Um, and I think that's the, the, the hard part. But if you do the work in clearly mapping out what is our culture and what do we need people to fit? Then secondly, what are the questions we need to ask to uncover that? Then you set yourselves in a great position. And I think that's the first thing. The second thing is have the discipline to say no. There's a lot of times where you interview people that have great sales skills, great track record, but you just know that's not a culture fit. And particularly if you're trying to push for numbers, it's very easy to go, ah, let's give them a shot. But you always find it, it, it you always find, it, I always find that when you do that, you always end up going, damn, I knew that wasn't gonna work out. Um, and I think it's having that discipline to say no, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the early stages, if you're in a startup environment, having the, the discipline to say no, because if you make the wrong hire, as we all know, it's significantly more costly down the line. Um, in terms of missed opportunities, disruption to the team, lost time and making that good hire. And so I think those are the three key things is define your culture clearly, uh, the traits that you want, you know, uh, you know, list out some questions that will, that will extract that from people um, and, and stay true to it and, and be disciplined enough to say no if somebody doesn't quite fit. I love that. You know, so, you know, the, the, the point around asking those right questions to determine culture fit. I think that's a challenge that a lot of our, our viewers and listeners, you know, struggle with. Yeah. Something that I have found really useful is getting away from, you know, these, these, you know, closed ended questions, like, are you competitive? Do yeah, you yeah. have, do you have drive, uh, yeah. you know, and more around, Hey, tell me about a time when you were up against an incumbent for a job. Um, and, and you were able to close that deal. 
Can you yeah. tell me about a time where you had that situation and and what exactly did you do to turn things around and win that deal? So, so asking them to kind of talk through a situation uh, can really help give you some clues as to uh, you know, their, their real ability in a certain area. So it's, I think that's so important. It's the same in a, in a sales pitch, right? You don't go to a client to go, do you need this product? You go, tell me about how you, it's the same thing, right? You got to ask those questions. Um, and then one, you know, one thing we look for is people that are constant learners, right? Mm. I mean, we need people on the team that are constantly trying to learn and develop because that shows someone who's willing to listen, willing to take things on and improve, right? Um, and for us, we ask questions like, uh, you know, a simple question like, uh, you know, given what you know today, what would you tell, you know, your younger self, right, <laughs> 10 years ago, right? Because I think it, in hearing how they respond to that will actually indicate whether there's someone who's able to think through their path and learn from what they've done right or done wrong mm-hmm. um, and actually take that on board and articulate that. So, right. yeah, they have the right mentality to really think through, like, what have I done right? What could I yes. improve on to give that advice back to my former self? So yeah, I think it, it's worth investing, taking the time to ask those to define those questions. Oh, for sure. And I, and I love a question, you know, along that, those lines of, you know, you know, tell me about the last deal that you lost. Yeah. So tell me about the last deal that you lost. Upon reflection, why do you think you lost it? And what would you do differently if you had the chance? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question because, hey, I don't care how good you are out there. If you haven't lost a deal lately, you're not selling enough. Okay. Yeah, agree. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're just not. So, yeah. you know, we're all going to lose some deals, but you know, it's like you either win or you lose or you win or you learn. Right. Yeah, so we learned from it. We didn't really lose. So what did you yeah. learn from that experience? So I love asking people that yeah. question. Yeah. Another one of my, my favorite questions is I like to ask people, what's the last sales book you read? Yes. We asked that one as well. Yeah. What's the last yeah. podcast you listened to? What's the last YouTube video that you watched? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't care what the, and what's the last podcast you listened to? I don't care what the answer is. There needs to be a freaking answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. can't be, oh, you know what? I'm not really into, you know, learning new things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Come on, yeah. it's going to bite you at yeah. the end. So Matt, yeah. I really like, so we, we talked about kind of culture fit as yeah. one of those things that we're looking for. And I think, you know, we did a really great job of like, tangibilizing, if that's a real word, tangibilizing how to find out culture fit. I really love another thing you talked about, which was uh, in terms of the traits that you look for. Um, Mm. So you talked about uh, curiosity Mm. as being one of those traits. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, like I think in the, um, you know, we're trying to, again, for us, we're looking for people that know how to get, get deep into what a client or, or prospect needs or deep into their business. We want people that naturally want to know more, like why? So when the client or the prospect says, uh, you know, I currently use this, this system or, you know, I wish the current system would do X, right? Um, you know, I don't want somebody who goes, oh, okay, writes that down and then carries on. I want somebody who goes, can you tell me more about that? Like, what, what, why is it that you want it to do this? What is the actual thing in your business that is driving the motivator for you to do that. So someone who's naturally curious will naturally say, can you, actually, can you tell me more about that? Or why is this? Um, and someone who's not naturally curious, that even if you tell them to ask those questions, it will come across more like an interrogation when they deliver it to the, for the prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won't come across natural. So we look for someone like when I'm interviewing people that are asking me tons of questions about the business and why we're doing it and 
uh, you know, the value prop and like our journey and why, why we're doing what we're doing. And that's great because that's someone who has a natural curiosity to find out about what Workmate's doing. Um, and so I think that's why I look for curiosity because people who are curious are going to, are going to, when you put them in front of a prospect, they're naturally going to probe. They're naturally going to try to get deeper to understand. Um, and that's obviously an important trait in, 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 in consultative selling. I love that. It's the natural curiosity and, and something that I've experienced personally with reps on my team is that's, um, that's a pretty tough thing to train yeah. because natural curiosity. I mean, I, I, I found myself in, in, in situations where um, I'll, I'll read some of the notes from a discovery call or from a sales call. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What, what, why did they say that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You didn't think to ask? And yeah. I find that that's like one of my pet peeves is having to <laughs> review a transcript of a call and then start kind of adding in my own lines as to, and then he said, or he yeah. or she should have said or yeah. asked at this, but just having that natural curiosity, then people come across more naturally when they're asking those questions. They don't appear yeah. as though they're reading from a script of, you know, the top 13 discovery questions to ask on your next call. Mm, yeah. Well, one, one thing that we're trying to do to train the team right now is in the weekly sales meetings, um, you know, we ask everyone to kind of brief on some of the opportunities they're working on or some of the, the meetings they had the previous week. Um, we go around the room and when the team say, okay, well, I met with this customer and uh, we actually get everyone around the room to ask the, you know, the what, how, why questions of that person. So other people in the sales team are going, why do they do that? And what, so what's happening is now that the reps are realizing that if they haven't asked those questions to their customer, if they haven't gone deep and probed more, when they come to their Monday morning sales meeting, the rest of the team will ask them, they'll have, I don't know, and they'll look stupid. Right. So we're kind, of, we're kind of building it through, uh, you know, shaping behaviors is a really important thing to do with the team. Mm -hmm. And in the early days, we're trying to shape behaviors. If people know that that question is going to be asked of them when they're asked to present this on Monday, Right. they're going to make sure they ask that of the customer. And after a while, that becomes a habit and they start to do it. So I think, you know, we're, we're big when it comes to training sales teams around really working to shape behaviors. And in the early days, you do that by actually being a little bit annoying, like nagging them on, okay, you tell me this or why this or why that. And if you do that enough, the, the sales reps will be like, well, I know Matt's going to ask me that question. So I better find that out now. <laughs> um, and then it will start to take hold. So that's one thing, a little trick that we do there. I feel like you and I are reading from the same the same playbook, you know, <laughs> no pun intended, because I'm I'm the same way. I, I try to instill this, you know, this this what would Tom say? What would Tom do? What would Tom yeah, ask? Yeah, yeah. And what is he going to ask me after I get off this sales call? Because I know yeah. he's gonna ask me that. And if I don't have an answer, <laughs> it's not gonna be good for me. So exactly. it's to really train them to ask those because the reality is. You know, we're trying to create a safe environment, right? We're trying to create a safe space. This is the whole point of our team meetings and our one-on-ones and our huddles is that's actually a, a safe laboratory where you can make mistakes, where you can mess up, where you can try to figure things out and look dumb because I'd rather my team look silly in front of me than to yeah. look that way in front of a customer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt, um, what, and, and I love the whole thing with curiosities. We kind of, yeah. you know, wrap that up because I always tell people, the more you learn, the more you earn, 
right? Yeah, Learners true. Yeah. are earners. So yeah. be, be curious and ask a lot of questions because you will uncover things in that conversation that maybe even your prospect wasn't thinking about until you were like, hey, well, wh why is it you do that? Or what do you think will happen if you don't solve that problem? Or have you yeah. considered doing this or that? And they might yeah. go, oh my gosh, thank you for that. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So what was that other trait that you mentioned that is something that you look for in, in uh, empathy? Mm, right. Yeah. Like, like you look, you, you, we, we, again, it's very specific to what you're trying to, your product and, and your customer, but um, you know, we want someone who, who you need for us, you know, we need a rep who is going to, the customer is going to feel like they can trust. Right. And someone who's really there to solve a problem for them. And I think if you have somebody who, who might be a great kind of like, typical salesperson who can come in with all the enthusiasm and do a great, you know, charismatic presentation together, but the customer doesn't feel this guy's really there to, you know, help them. Um, the genuineness and authenticity. Genuine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so for me, it's like, you know, um, you know, we call it, you know, just, we wrap it up as empathy, like someone who we feel that is going to be able to build that, that relationship and that bond with the prospect. Um, because if they're able to do that naturally, and I know in a lot of your sales training videos, you talk about just smile, you know, it's like if you're able to, um, you know, people buy from people, right? So if they're able to, um, you know, build relationships and someone, the clients go, hey, this guy's really, you know, this person's really, um, it really has my interest at heart here. And they're trying to find a solution for me. They're going to be significantly more successful than someone who's, who's just a great, you know, out of the box pitcher. Um, uh, and so that's, that's why we look for that. I love this whole topic of empathy and, and selling with empathy. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's how, how do reps come across? Do they come across as someone who uh, genuinely cares about that prospect, genuinely cares about that person or customer, or do they care more about closing the deal? Yeah. And I think with a lot of reps, you can, you can see that distinction. You know, some people just have this, you know, we talked about a natural curiosity. Some have just a natural empathy yeah. towards... <laughs> Uh, a customer situation like they really they really want to help so one thing that we look for at soco in reps are people that that want to help they want to help and and people have asked me before tom what's what's your favorite part of the sales process or what do i like most about sales well i mean obviously i'd love to close the deal but anybody on my team will know that i don't get overly excited when i close deals because i have this expectation that we should anyway but what and maybe it's just um what's it you're you know, like a blind you know optimism i just expect us to close deals yeah but what really gets me going is i actually love the back and forth interaction with people and trying to figure out like what's going on in their world yeah i love the conversations i just love yeah. to talk about what's happening what's been working for them what's some of their challenges are what they've tried before what are they thinking about doing next and why that's important yeah. um and just really trying to help them solve a problem and yeah. when, you, when you come from that place, I think it makes a big difference because your customer feels like you're really in it for them. Like you want them to win, right? You want them to win. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think it also comes, one of the things that, that we always try to, to teach the guys is that you can actually gain a lot more from, uh, from a customer when you tell them, no, we actually can't help you, right? So, and if, you, if you're coming at it from a, I'm trying to sell you something, you, know, you see people that will sell something to the client. They might get the deal closed, but that client's going to churn in a few months because it's not right for them. Um, and I'll say to the team, look, you know, uh, we, I mean, I just had a, had, a, had a pitch the other day that one of my team uh, had set up a meeting and they wanted me to present. And I presented it and I'm talking to the customer in the first 10 minutes. I'm like, 
I don't know if we're really going to be able to add much value here. And I was very upfront. And I said, look, I don't, I, I, given what you're saying about how you operate in your business, I'm not sure that we're the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team were a little bit surprised. But, but I, I, after the meeting, I, I said to them, look, you know, that guy, if, if his business does change, he really now knows what we can do and what we can't do. And if he does get to a point where he starts needing the stuff that, uh, that we can do, he's going to call us first because, you know, he, there's that trust there. Or secondly, if he leaves that company and goes to a new company that does need what Workmate can provide, he's probably going to call us because we haven't tried to force sell him something. We've really shown that we're actually trying to work out what's best for him. And actually our product's not best for you right now. So let's not bother with it. Um, and so I think that's also someone who has high empathy and someone who's able to kind of, who, who really does have a natural interest in trying to help the customer um, will be more inclined, be more comfortable saying to the guy or, to, you know, to the prospect, actually, I don't think what we've got is right for you right now, you know, and, and that's okay, right? Because you're going to save yourself time and the customer time. Absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. You know, like you, you could really yeah. be this great salesperson and you manage to close the deal, uh, but it could take a long time. So the, yeah. the, the deal length could be a long time. The size could be small. The yeah. amount of effort to actually service and maintain that account could be high because their yeah. expectations won't be met. Um, there might be churn. They might leave in a couple months anyway. So what have you really gained? Mm-hmm. So something, you know, I, I, there might be some, some listeners and viewers who are wondering, okay, so, you know, how do we check for, you know, we talked about culture fit and, and curiosity, but how do we check for this empathy? Well, um, I'm reminded of uh, a webinar that I did for Salesforce a few months back where we were talking about the state of sales. Mm-hmm. And we went through the most recent state of sales report for ASEAN. And what we found in the study was the most successful, the highest performing sales reps sell with empathy. So what does mm-hmm. that look like? They're actually uh, driven by customer insights versus industry insights. So what we found was lower performing reps focus on uh, what's happening in the industry. They focus on the competitors, um, but the higher performing and uh, the higher performing ones actually focus on the customer themselves. So this might sound obvious, but they really focus on uh, the customer's previous buying behavior, right? They focus on um, what are some of the challenges of that organization or that customer is facing right now? What are the problems yeah. they're facing right now that they're trying to solve? Follow them on LinkedIn, for example, check out their posts. What are they saying? What are they commenting on? What are they, what are they posting? Um, what, what are they reading now? So it's really mm. getting an in-depth understanding of what's going on in the world of your customer will allow yeah. you to have more empathy for what's going on in their lives. And guess what? That helps you sell more. Agree. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about, um, you know, what what we look for in reps. So that's culture fit. It's empathy. It's it's uh, being curious, a great learner and being inquisitive. Uh, Maybe we can shift gears a little bit, Matt, and and, and sort of look at uh, dealing with remote sales teams. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about about your team. You mentioned there, you know, you've got some in Thailand and Indonesia. So maybe kind of, you know, an overview of what that's like. And then we can dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, look, as, uh, as I mentioned when we started uh, the chat today, um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a shift, right? It's been very, you've had to adapt and adjust in terms of how we do things. So, you know, prior to, to, to COVID and the, the inability to travel, um, what I used to do is obviously spend a lot of time in market. I would go on sales meetings with the teams. I would, you know, show them how I present and how I work with, how I run meetings. 
you know, you do maybe role play discussions, you'd get that sort of feel for, for how they're doing things. You'd be able to re read the room in terms of body language. Um, and that sort of has all gone away. So now, now doing it remotely, we've had to really adapt. And um, it has created some challenges because, as I said before, you don't, you don't get the, the ability to, to spend those micro interactions with the team to sort of to try to try to manage them where you might be grabbing lunch or, 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 or a coffee or a drink after work with them. You walk, um, you walk by, you walk by their desk and you overheard them on a call and you're just exactly. like, Hey, quick one. Right. Exactly. Um, so we have had to adapt. So a, a few things that, that we've been doing, which have been working really well um, is, you know, uh, you know, recording meetings. Right. So, we, you know, when we're doing them over Zoom, one of the advantages of when you're doing sales pitches over Zoom is that you can click that record button. Right. And then, you know, we, we, we play that back um, and we can go through it. We can say, OK, how, you know, how do we think this went and where are the things that we think that we made mistakes? And, um, and that's working really well. So that's one thing that we found has been super helpful in terms of particularly training and onboarding new reps mm. um, is actually, you know, where I used to go fly to market and go and do meetings with them. Um, you know, now I, I might do a, a meeting and I'll record it and I'll send it to them and then ask them, what do you, what did you think, you know, would, would work well here? What do you think didn't go so well here? And then why? So we're using those as, as coaching moments. Um, that's probably one of the biggest, the biggest changes that we've sort of put in place in terms of the training and the coaching. Um, the other thing is, is, um, you know, even with the, the reps themselves, even, you know, say in Thailand and Indonesia, Indonesia, our team have been working from home for a year. Right. The office has been closed for the whole time because um, obviously they're doing it quite tough there. So even for them, you know, them working with their customers, that's also you know remote selling. Um, and so one of the things that we've started doing there is, uh, you know, asynchronous selling. So rather than trying to schedule a time with the customer uh, to have a meeting to present the proposal uh, or present the deck uh, or to go through the solution, you know, do a loom video like do the presentation record it yourself send it to the client in the format of a video then they can watch it in their own time whatever they want so sort of adapting we've adapted a little bit in terms of how the team are operating um, and that's been quite interesting to kind of see as well um, you know there are obviously pros and cons um, but uh, it's been a, there's some of the little things that we're, we're finding is actually working quite well I love that. So there are two things that I got from that that are super valuable that, you know, everybody listening and watching needs to take note of. So num number one, obviously, you know, the, the, the world has changed since we've been in this current situation. Um, and how do we upskill our team? How do we train them and give them the tools they need? So while we can't go on face to face meetings with our reps all the time, if at all anymore, uh, guess what? It's easier now more than ever to coordinate schedules with Zoom. You know, yeah. any, any rep that's ever told me, oh, it's really hard to get a hold of people right now. I'm like, really? They're not traveling. Yeah. So those C-suite people that you could never reach before because they were on a plane or they were overseas, they're at home in their pajamas now down the, <laughs> down the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can reach them and you can get four or five stakeholders in a Zoom room all at one time. So please yeah. don't tell me that, right? So it's never been easier. And guess what? We can record these calls. Exactly. So I do the same yeah. thing, Matt. I record my sales calls. I share them with the team and say, hey, what did you like? What did you not like? Did I hit yeah. all these points? Or if there's a specific teachable moment, you know, because within a whole sales call, you know, you can either go, hey, watch the whole thing or take note between, you know, mark right. five and 10 minutes. Yeah. Where, where I did this particular thing because that's where you struggle a little bit. Notice how I did that, right? Yeah. Or what did you notice I did in that five-minute period? You know, so things like that. 
And that, that, that's, um, that's actually something that is an advantage of the current situation because, you know, if you're doing a face-to-face meeting, you can't say, hold on a second, let me get my phone out and record this so I can use it for my team later for training. Right. But in this setting, people are used to that little red button in the top left corner recording, right? And obviously, I always ask, I always say to the customer, hey, do you mind if I record this because I'm using this for training? Um, but, uh, you know, that actually is something we, we have an advantage on right now is you can actually record every single discussion you have with the customer. Um, you know, use it as your minutes of meeting as well. Send it out to the client, whatever. But uh, it's actually it's actually really helping with the training and the coaching of, of, of remote teams. Definitely. And something that I've noticed as well is, you know, for training remote teams, it's super useful. Uh, but, but also... As you mentioned, hey, you can record a message, whether it's you know on on you know video, for example, or yeah. something on your computer, and send that presentation, that that demo, that that DIY, that video to your prospect in advance. So yeah. something that I'm mentioning to people is on these Zoom calls, you you want to keep them as short and sweet as possible, right? Yeah. I think when people were meeting face to face, maybe we grab a lunch and we kind of, you know, we, we have more time. You might allocate, you know, an hour plus for some meetings. I remember people inviting me down to their office and we'd be down there for a couple of hours because you're just kind of shooting the breeze and you've got your rapport and your connection. I don't want to talk to you for two hours on Zoom. Okay? Yeah. You know, we, we just don't. And nobody's got the time. In fact, I feel like now more than ever, we're busier than we ever were before. And we're like yeah. back to back with Zoom calls. Yeah. So as a sales rep, if we can keep it short and sweet, that's great. So what can we send to the prospect in advance of the meeting yeah. to get them doing a little bit of work or some prep prior to that call so yeah. that you can come onto that call and go, you know, hey, did you have an opportunity to take a look through the deck? You know, what, what questions do you have for me? Yeah. Or you may be curious about, you know, this particular thing. Let's yeah. talk about that a little bit more. So I, I think that's a brilliant idea that you're doing that. Yes, yeah, so in, in the old days, what we would do, the old days, a year ago, um, <laughs> what we would do is we'd send the proposal out to somebody, right? And, or, you know, and, and you know, as a PowerPoint deck, um, or we would, you know, set up a meeting to walk them through that proposal. And you spend the first 20, 30 minutes working through the proposal, and then they don't have a lot of time to digest it and then discuss it and then get the feedback and so forth, right? Um, and so what, that's why I mentioned Loom. Loom, if you don't know, if people don't know, it's a great tool, um, basically screen recording and presentation recording. So you download it, add it to your browser. It's got a desktop app as well. You bring up the deck, you, uh, you present it like you would in a, in a meeting. It's got your little face in the corner. So it enables you to kind of give context to the slides and talk through the slides at the same time. You send the, the prospect that link um, ahead of your meeting. You say, you know, if your meeting's tomorrow to talk about the proposal, um, you know, on the Friday, on the Thursday afternoon, I go, hey, here's a little, here's a, here's a preview of the presentation of the proposal. Um, have a quick look through this. It's a 15 minute uh, video. Um, and that gives us lots to discuss tomorrow, right? And so therefore, two things, you're not just sending them a deck that they can flick through. They're watching the video. So it gives you the ability to actually add context and color mm. and emphasize and accentuate the key points you want. But then when you have that meeting tomorrow, they're primed, they're prepped, they've got your message and you can get into the nuts of what they like and and you know questions that they've got and you can spend most of your time being really productive um the other good thing about that as well is they can watch that video in their own time they don't have a block in their calendar that they've assigned to matt from workmate that oh, i'm in the middle of something else and i've got to get on this call you know they can watch it while they're you know if they're you know um 
know, in a cab going somewhere or if they're sitting on the couch in the evening, they can watch it or in the bathroom, whatever. They can watch it when they have a spare 15 minutes. Um, and that actually is, is actually getting really good, uh, good feedback from people. I love that. So if anyone doesn't know, you know, you can just uh, do a quick Google search or go on to loom.com, uh, L-O-O-M.com, like looming. So loom.com, it's, it's, it's a great platform. It's basically show it, say it, send it. I mean, that's the yeah. whole principle of, of Loom. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Yeah. You know, the beautiful thing about selling remotely these days is it's opening our eyes and our minds to uh, different ways of doing things. Look, I wrote the book, Social Selling, five years ago. I've been yeah. training on it for about a decade. Um, look, social selling uh, is not about replacing traditional or conventional selling, but it's about evolving it and enhancing it and just helping Ooh. you adopt all the tools necessary so that you can succeed in this you know, current environment. So maybe as we start wrapping up, uh, Matt, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you as a leader face with, with managing a remote sales team? I think, um, I think it, it, it ties back to that, that same thing that we've, we've touched on as a theme throughout. It's, it's uh, you know, the inability to kind of have those micro interactions with the people, as you said, walking past somebody in the office and overhearing a pitch and using that as information in your next one-on-one to kind of sit down and use it as a coachable thing, right? Really know what they're doing. I, I think for me um, as well, you know, with the teams being remote um, uh, and also in different languages, um, the hard thing is, is actually trying to get visibility into what's actually happening on the ground. Like mm -hmm. what is really happening? What is, you know, we've got SDRs. You know, how, like are they really sitting, are they sitting at home in their pajamas doing a couple of calls for, 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 for two hours and watching Netflix for the next six hours or what are they really doing? And right. so it's, it's also forced us to really make sure that our, our metrics and our tracking and our CRM and our reporting is is really solid as well. Um, and I, I don't mean like our, our you know micromanaging, but making sure that we've got the systems in place and we've got the right processes and tools in place, so that we are actually able to look at you know uh, not just productivity but also you know the, the the conversion funnel and look at where things are breaking down because where I used to kind of uh, pick up on those things that need to be improved even just through, through casual interactions or, or being in market with people, uh, now, now we can't. So we have to rely more on, on, on some, hard, some hard data. You know, and, I, and I think you know, probably maybe we should have done that in the first place, but I think it's forced us, it's forced us to kind of get our act together in that area. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the, the, the thing is, I think what we've noticed is where, where before it was more about the people, and you could interact with the people on your team and, and you can kind of see what they're doing. It's, it's maybe less now about the people and more about the process. Yeah. And, and if you've come up with a really solid process, we don't only have to trust the people, we can trust the process, Yeah. right? Uh, what's the reporting like? What's their activity? Maybe do they copy you in some emails? Um, are you uh, using a, a tool like Slack, for example, for communicating with the team on a regular basis? Do you know when people are around? Um, are they, are they, you know, taking your calls? How quick are they to respond to you on Slack? Yeah. So once you, you see that you've got those processes in place, it helps us to go, you know what? I can just tell, not just intuitively, but I, I can, I can see that, yeah, there's, there's some activity happening. Yeah. You know, there's stuff going on. Cause I can tell if, if it seems like a light day with my team versus like a, a, a kick-ass kind of day, like they're rocking yeah. and rolling, you know, you can, you can tell what's going on. And I, and I feel like what this whole situation has done for us, Matt, is it's 
forced us to trust the process a bit more, but also to trust the people and trust the team. And maybe yeah. not everybody is able to work remotely. You know, some people are really built for, you know, having to have accountability um, 24-7. Some people just seem to need that hawk looming over them yeah. or some structure of being in an office and the hustle and bustle of people. Some people really need that. Yeah. And then some people are quite comfortable working independently. I've always been one of those people that can I mean, Elaine tells me all the time, holy smokes, you were hyper productive. I'm like, yeah, I was in a coffee shop. Yeah. Wow. Like, you know, like I just have this ability to just crush it in like, I don't know, I get into a zone of like, yeah. you know, where, where am I at right now? And I've only got a limited amount of time or space or what, and I just zone in, but I'm able to get a lot of work done in, in, a, in, a, in a nice, comfortable yeah. environment where some people really need the four walls of an office and a, and a team around them. So I think in this, current situation, when we talk about culture fit, Matt, kind of circling back to how we started this conversation, maybe part of culture fit is, you know, how well do you fit in working in a culture yeah. where being part of the team means not really seeing your team? <laughs> I, I think actually that, that brings up a really good point, which I should mention as well, is that as a, as a leader and as, as, you know, I have, you know, country heads and, and sales managers, obviously across the org as well. Um, you know, managing the team remotely has meant that we've had to up our game as well in terms of our ability to, to support people, to your point, who may find it much harder to work in a remote environment. You know, I'm fortunate enough, I have, a, I have enough space for my own office at my house, I can kind of lock the door and, and get to work, but a lot of people don't. You know, I have people in the team that, 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 you know, are living in small flats in Jakarta and um, you know, have, you know, kids running around and it's really, really hard. So and brought and, and internet can be an issue for some people. Remotely, correct. Right? Yeah, correct. So, so we've had to really make sure that we've got the right support structures in place. Um, whereas, you know, in the office, you can maybe sense if somebody's a little bit off or they're struggling a little bit um, in a remote scenario, you don't, you don't have the ability to have that kind of natural intuition to pick up where someone might need a little bit of a pick me up or a little bit of a, a bit of a boost, um, right. you know, to get their motivation going. So, we, we've put in place, um, and anyway, we're still working on it. We're still trying to improve. We've put in, a lot, in place a lot of stuff from the HR side to try to bring that kind of stuff to the surface a little bit more um, by actually setting up casual, we actually call it um, coffee with the CXO, where uh, once, a, once a, every couple of weeks, somebody on the executive team, there's a half hour slot in the week where they just have a call like this, but there's no agenda where everyone has a coffee or whatever you drink, whatever you drink of choices, and it's just a chit chat. And it's like, how are things going? And this, this, the, anyone on the team can ask if it's me on the call this week or my COO or my CTO, anyone can dial in and ask any questions they want, right? And it, it's just creating this kind of, um, I guess, the, the environment where people can be a bit more casual and can be a bit more open in this world where we're kind of a bit secluded. So again, to, to summarize that, it's like, as leaders, you know, we've spoken a lot about how we drive results from people, but I think it's, you know, we maybe we should have spoken more about how do we make sure that we're supporting people uh, where they might be struggling a little bit more that you just, when you're remote and you're on Zoom calls, you don't see that that person is probably struggling a bit um, mentally or emotionally. And I think that's something you've really got to invest in as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, um, we could definitely spend some time talking about that. You know, one one thing as we wrap up that that I found really helpful with managing our our remote team, and we've been remote for over a year. So yeah. we're based in Singapore, and Singapore has handled this situation probably better than most countries on the planet. 
And still, we made the call, I think in March of last year, to get our whole team just working from home. So they didn't have to commute, they didn't have to worry about anything, or just have the fear of the fear of catching anything. So I said, you yeah. know what, you all just work from home, we're going to make sure that you've got all the equipment that you need, we made sure that they have laptops and nice big monitors, so that they could feel that they've got yeah. all the resources that they need. And then to try to keep everybody connected, you know, as I mentioned, we use Slack, that's a great way for us to stay in touch. Um, at the time that this podcast is airing, it is uh, May the May the May the the sixth. Six. May the sixth. Well, a couple days ago, if for any Star Wars fans out there, it was you know May the May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. And uh, I changed my profile pic to Yoda and changed my name uh, to, to Yoda. And um, you know you know posted this thing here. You know May May the fourth be with you. Yeah. And just shared in our random chat. A picture of me in my Star Wars, you know, shirt with a Star Wars mask, <laughs> uh, being chased down by a trooper, and uh, nice. Then we had someone else on our team share their 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 coffee mug. Nice, yeah. And uh, then I shared, uh, you know, my coffee mug yesterday. Uh, Star Wars then, things, yeah. Yeah, and then we've got we've got our uh, marketer on our team. His name is Din. And he said, as, as if you watch The Mandalorian, as Din Djarin, I will always be there to protect Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a picture of Grogu on there. If any nice. fans of The Mandalorian, please, please let me know. But these are the kind of things that just help like our team feel like, yeah, we're a team and we yeah. have fun, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it just kind of brings everyone together, which is yeah. super cool. Well, look, Matt, speaking of bringing together, it was great getting together with you today. I always like our conversations. Um, Thank you. It's always great working with you and you're doing wonderful work at Workmate. So where can people get a hold of you, Matt? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, it's probably the best, best, uh, best way to find me. Awesome. Matthew Ward with one T. Yeah. Perfect. Matthew Ward with one T. We'll put uh, a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And if they want to learn more about uh, Workmate, where do they go? Uh, Workmate.asia workmate.asia. Thank you so much, Matt, for uh, joining me as always. And thanks to all of you out there for joining uh, this episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. All the best. Take care.